Time for our weekly check-in with U.S. Congressman from the 2nd Congressional District of Massachusetts and the chair of the Rules Committee, Congressman Jim McGovern. First of all, Congressman, before we get too far here, thank you for participating in another incredible march for the food bank. I haven't heard any official numbers, but the last thing I heard was 494,000, and I knew other people sitting on small pools of money towards the food bank. So uh, that was uh, quite the quite the couple days, beautiful weather, thoughts and reflections on the food bank march last week. Well, I mean, the weather was great. Um, the people were great. Uh, and uh, the, the community was great. Uh, so you're going to reach the goal of of a half a million dollars, uh, and that's a big deal. It's going to help a lot of people. And um, again, I, I I actually had a good time. Uh, I, I wasn't I wasn't particularly sore afterwards. I have no idea why, uh, but uh, but it was it was it was a lot of fun. So I enjoyed it. It was nice seeing your family out there too, and your wife Lisa and your kids as uh, part of the march this year. I think for the first time, right? I know the kids have participated before, but I don't think yeah. your wife has been there before. No, but uh, she had a good time too. Okay. And again, when the weather is nice, it's, you know. <laughs> Well, (laughs) definitely. It was a big deal for House Democrats yesterday on a a number of different fronts. Uh, Let's start with your colleague in the East Hampton Springfield area, the the chair of the Ways and Means Committee, Congressman Richie Neal, who was at the beginning of the food bank march, uh, finally uh, getting the Supreme Court to approve and release the Donald Trump tax returns for the last 60 years. The House Democrats and Richie Neal's camp have been rather mum about what the next steps are, but anything that you can uh, elucidate about what might go on now that the Democrats and the Ways and Means Committee have control of those six years' worth of tax returns? Well, I haven't talked to Richie Neal about uh, what his plans are, but I hope they're made public. I mean, the whole point of this is the American people deserve to know. Uh, and uh, and so my expectation is that, it, is that at some point uh, all this will, be, will become public. Uh, and, uh, you know, and again, uh, you know, the former president is still very active, uh, still, I mean, he's announced he's running for president again. Um, you know, there are a lot of, uh, you know, uh, I think there are a lot of unknowns out there that people should know uh, before they decide who they're going to support in the next election. So, uh, again, I hope that these tax returns are made public uh, sooner rather than later. Any idea about what they are expecting to find or thinking they might find in the Ways and Means Committee in these tax returns? Yeah, my guess is that what we'll find is that Donald Trump didn't pay very much in terms of taxes, um, that he probably inflated his wealth, that he he took advantage of every loophole possible, uh, whether legal or illegal. Um, But, but, you know, again, I I think we should just wait and see what, what, uh, what, what actually is in those tax returns. Another big doing in the House Democratic Caucus yesterday was the election of Representative Hakeem Jeffries as a leader of now the minority party going into the next Congress. Uh, also the first black person to lead a congressional caucus. Uh, Kathy Gouch from Greenfield asking, electing Congressman Jeffries as minority leader seems to be a turning point for the party. How do we get the younger generations engaged in our political process? And she also adds, thank you for all you do and for so uh, being w- so willing to go to your toxic work environment every day. <laughs> <laughs> Very much. Well, first of all, you know, you know, with Nancy Pelosi, we broke a glass ceiling when she became the first woman speaker of the House ever, uh, and with Hakeem Jeffries, uh, first African American um, ever uh, to be in that in that position. And he's a nice guy. I mean, um, um, he's talented. Um, he's progressive. He is. You know, he, he will be a great, great leader. And uh, and I think. He will help bring some more people um, into the party. Look, in terms of 
getting more young people involved, we, we all ought to acknowledge that the reason why there was not a red wave um, in the last election was because of young people showing up to vote. Uh, and we need to continue to maintain their interest um, in what we do, and we need to uh, you know, grow the number of young people who participate. And we need to be talking to people directly, and we need to be talking about issues that young people care about. So um, I think Hakeem Jeffries is uniquely poised to be able to do that. And so I'm really excited. You were in the news yesterday or USA Today today, I guess. Uh, quote from you, President Biden has called on Congress to act without delay to avoid what would be a catastrophic shutdown. And that's exactly what we're doing here today, said Rules Committee Chair Jim McGovern, Democrat of Massachusetts, Wednesday morning on the House floor as debate started. The passage would be a win for workers across the country. This is about the potential rail strike which would already which would slow down an uh, already slow supply chain and probably add to uh, the inflation and things the costs of goods going up one of the sticking points seems to be on paid sick leave tell us uh, why the democratic party why the biden administration wanted to intervene on this labor dispute with the rail unions and what uh, the potential is for resolving this well, I think it's unfortunate that we're at this point. I mean, um, I, I don't think we should ever um, or very rarely ever um, inject ourselves in any kind of a labor negotiation between workers and management. But we're about to hit a rail strike that, quite frankly, would devastate our economy. I mean, you know, it, 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 would, it would mean that, you know, chlorine that needs to go to New York City to purify their water so their water is... Uh, you know, safe to drink would be held up. I mean, it would mean that uh, you know, you know, shipments of all kinds of goods and materials that are essential because a lot of our products are transported by rail would all halt. Um, it would be it would be, it would be de- devastating. You know, millions of people would lose their jobs, not in the rail industry, but in other industries that count on uh, uh, you know freight rail uh, to be able to produce goods and services. Um, so, look, I also said yesterday that the agreement that uh, was, was, was reached is inadequate because it doesn't include uh, paid sick leave. And um, one of the things I did as chairman of the Rules Committee, I'm still chairman of the Rules <laughs> Committee, was we, we, we brought the agreement to the floor, floor but we also brought a, a, an additional provision, which is attached to it, to provide these workers seven days of paid sick leave. Now it has to go to the Senate. The Senate has to agree to do what we just did and send it to President Biden. But uh, but the deal is workers deserve paid sick leave. And the fact that this agreement didn't have paid sick leave because of the owners of these uh, rail uh, companies uh, is obscene. And uh, But the agreement is a 24% increase in salary. Um, some really good health care benefits uh, are in there as well. But there's no paid sick leave. We attach the paid sick leave. I hope that the Senate will keep it in. Uh, before they sent it to President Biden, but uh, you know, again, this is that we're at a moment where there are no good choices. You either you either approve this agreement or an improved agreement, which we we did in the House. Or, I mean, I, I don't think people appreciate how connected uh, our economy is to uh, rail transportation. And uh, uh, so, anyway, it, it's uh, you know, it's for two years. My hope is that you know, a, a further negotiation can happen and and it can be improved upon. Do you think that union leaders will be supportive of that if the paid sick leave addendum is approved? There were some union leaders that were speaking out against Joe Biden, who's hailed himself as uh, the most pro-union president in U.S. history, but was being critiqued by some of the rail union 
leaders as not going far enough. Will this, if it is passed with the paid sick leave, be enough for the unions involved in this? Yeah, I, I, I think so. And we, we've talked to many of them. Here's the deal. There are 12 rail unions. Eight of them actually approved this agreement uh, without the paid sick leave. I mean, eight unions, uh, rail unions, actually, uh, their membership voted for, for this agreement. Four of them did not. So, you know, within the labor movement, there's this split with the majority of them supporting what President Biden is doing, you know, for them not. Now, the four that are objecting have, I think, legitimate you know, reasons to object. That's why we attach the paid sick leave provision to um, to this package. Again, it goes to the Senate, and you know, uh, and we've heard mixed signals. Some we've heard, you know, some say that they they have the votes to add this paid sick leave. Some say they don't. Either way, we we need to avert a strike that will devastate our economy. As, you know, and as we're approaching the holidays, I mean, everything is shipped by rail. Most 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 of what we rely on is shipped by mail. So we we. we this is a terrible moment and terrible situation. This is the least bad of bad choices that we have. In regards to the economy, you got an email question for you from Joe Berger. Uh, this is about the price gouging. No telephone service, cable TV company monopolies that's driving myself and probably most of Massachusetts to the poorhouse, the great Xfinity, and is there any way to stop their ruthless business practice? So it's not technically a supply chain issue, but it is an economic issue in regards to... Um, a monopoly of business practices when it comes to communication, which is essential. Any thoughts on what Joe uh, had to ask about uh, Xfinity and a potential monopoly there? Yeah, I, you know, I know Senator Markey has been following following these issues very carefully. I mean, he's been kind of the expert in telecommunications. Um, and, um, you know, I, I, I look, I mean, we, we have to figure this out. I mean, these monopolies, you know, uh, they claim that they're more efficient. Well, what they what they are is they're more greedy. I mean, they rip people off. And they need to be held to account. And so, I mean, I, I think, you know, we need to do hearings to expose their greed. But then we, we need to take action uh, to be able to reel it in. I mean, people people should be price gouged on those things. And But I would, uh, you know, when you have, when you have Senator Markey on the show, I mean, this, is one of, this is one of his areas of expertise. Uh, we started out talking about the new leadership in the Democratic caucus in the House with Hakeem Jeffries elected, but uh, the Democratic whip has been elected as well. Uh, Catherine Clark, Katie Clark, tell us, and uh, she's from Massachusetts. Tell us about, uh, first of all, for those who don't know what a Democratic whip does, why? what do they do and why is it called a whip? And tell us well, a, about Katie Clark. Yeah, well, Catherine Clark is, um, it's, um First of all, what the whip does is count votes. I mean, basically, uh, her job is to make sure that uh, we have enough votes to pass what we need to pass and defeat what we need to defeat. Whipping uh, up support so, is the idea behind it, yeah, I guess, right? right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and uh, but she's look, Catherine's a great, great friend. Um, you know, great leader on a lot of issues that a lot of people in the valley care about, especially childcare. That's been kind of her signature issue. Uh, she was responsible for getting um, a, a bunch of money into, um, you know, some of our spending bills to help offset the cost of childcare, which is still way, way, way too high. Um, and so that's kind of where her focus will be. But it's always good to have somebody from Massachusetts in leadership positions uh, because our delegation, while we're all kind of different, I mean, we work as a team. And um, so, you know, somebody, if, if Bill Keating needs something at the Cape, you know, we, we, we do what we have to do. And the rules can be to make sure he gets what he needs. And, you know, and if we need something in the western part of the state, they all work with us to make sure that that happens. So uh, so this is good news for Massachusetts. I think good news for the country. 
U.S. congressman from the 2nd Congressional District of Massachusetts and the chair of the Rules Committee, still for now, Congressman right. Jim McGovern. Once again, thank you so much for spending so much time with us and our listeners and the marchers last week on the March for the Food Bank. It is truly an honor to have you along and the hard work that you do to fight against hunger uh, week in and week out in Congress is well, not lost on all of us. Well, congratulations on a successful march. And, uh, and again, thank to all the people who participated, all the people who contributed, thank you, thank you, thank you. It's going to help a lot of uh, members of our community. All right, all the best. Thanks. Talk to you again next week. If you got a question for the congressman, you can always send it my way, monty at wrsi.com. <laughs>